Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you see Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, Adam's To the line, Hughes, scores! Here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the amazing folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is Chris Faber and joining me on the line, David Quadrelli as we are coming fresh off of the Canucks loss in Game 7 to the Vegas Golden Knights. This could have been a very different episode uh, as I I did promise I would drink a 2-6 of Crown Royal uh, if the Canucks won. But in the end, it's still episode 100, and uh, I'm very excited to record this with you, Quads. Uh, 100 is a pretty awesome number for a podcast to hit, uh, and I am still drinking some Crown, because uh, <laughs> because I'm not going to let this bottle go to waste, uh, and I want to celebrate a little bit, man. There's 100 episodes of the Canucks conversation, and it might not be the result that we wanted uh, in Game 7 here, but I'm excited to chat with you anyways. I'm almost more sad that the Canucks lost, because now I don't get to see you drink Crown. More than I am that the Canucks actually lost. You know, it was a tough game, but you know, the Canucks just didn't have anything left in the tank. It was a tough one, but we'll get into that later. 100 episodes, man. Congratulations to you. You did about 60 of them without me. Not going to lie, that kind of hurts a little bit, but it's fine. I carried you through the last 40, I think. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. Like you could carry me. Um, It's... uh... (laughs) It's it's gonna be a fun episode. Um, I apologize in the background if you hear some some clanking around. I am gonna be drinking this crown drink that I just made here. There might be some ice going on. I got a metal straw uh, that I'm using here in my drink, so there might be some clinking and clanking going around. But you know what? It's episode 100, and the Canucks just got eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, my apologies in advance for that one. 
my uh, my ice has melted and my drink, so I'll be okay. But I'm also having the same thing. We're both having Crown and Sprite. Are you? Do you have Sprite in yours? I got ginger ale. Uh, I'm doing ginger ale instead. Hmm. I, I did buy a two liter of uh, Sprite. I also prepared. Uh, I went to Superstore to get um, some some Chase, I guess, or some mix for it, some of the pop stuff. Uh, and I, I was preparing for drinking a 2.6. I have, like, three Gatorades, uh, one of these, like, extra electrolyte Gatorades. So I was all ready to go to be, like, very hungover tomorrow huh. uh, and do absolutely nothing. But uh, instead, I'll just be having uh, a few drinks tonight. Uh, still probably use the Gatorades tomorrow because I think that uh, a few drinks might turn into a lot of drinks pretty fast. But, um it, like, do you want to just talk a little bit about what you saw in Game 7 tonight? I mean, it's tough to to see the way that the Canucks fell, I think, because the hardest thing for me was that um, they didn't play... They didn't play as good as they did in some of these games against the Vegas Golden Knights. It just... They, they didn't get an opportunity to really play their game, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a lot of positivity and optimism for fans later. Uh, I've got a few things that I really want to point out that I think, you know, there's just so many reasons to be absolutely thrilled with how this team performed in these playoffs and you know like give them credit they put up a good fight and I mean Thatcher Demko carried them in the games he played no doubt but you know the Canucks the Canucks proved they can hang with the one of the best teams in the NHL right that's what they did tonight and I think that's what makes this a little more tough for Canucks fans right is you know you see it's the Dallas Stars in the next round right and I mean I don't mean to discredit them they're a little bit banged up right now you know I'm convinced that whoever won this series was going to the cup final, uh, whether that be the Canucks or the Knights. I'm convinced that the Knights are going to beat the Stars. I'm convinced that the Canucks would have beat the Stars as well. I'm not trying to discount the Stars at all. They're just a little bit banged up. And I think when you look at the quality of the team that the Knights are, you see the Canucks took them to seven games. I'm convinced that the Canucks would have been able to beat the Stars. So it makes it a little tougher because that means that punching your ticket to the cup final Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, I am convinced the Knights are going to beat the Stars, but we'll see. Uh, I think that's what makes this a little bit tougher, though, is knowing that the next round, it would have been the Stars, who are an objectively worse team than the Knights. Yeah, I think that there was, and I agree with what you said there, I think the Canucks' path to the Stanley Cup Final was right in front of them, uh, running into this Dallas Stars team, because, yeah, I mean the the Avalanche are pretty beat up if the Canucks were to had to run into them next series anyways. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, I think that the Canucks had a good shot against the Dallas Stars, probably a better shot uh, against the Dallas Stars than they did against the Vegas Golden Knights or even the St. Louis Blues, to be honest. I think those two those two teams gave them a pretty good push, and the Canucks match up pretty nicely against the Stars. It was it was tough, uh, you know, before the game, kind of looking ahead of it after we saw the Stars won. You're thinking, like, wow, like, you know, this, this door is wide open for the Canucks to get to the Stanley Cup Finals with this young team and, you know, make this miracle come to a good finish. But um, it's too bad. And, and I wonder, like, I want to get your opinion on this because I felt that there was uh, multiple points in this game where you could say, you know, this just isn't the night for the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. Was there one moment that kind of stuck out for you in Game 7 where you just said, like, this, okay, this just isn't their night? There was a few. I mean, the first one is obviously the Brock Besser goal. For me, that at least that was the one, or the lack of a goal, I guess. Brock Besser yeah. comes in on a two-on-one with Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat slides him the puck, and Robin Leonard absolutely robs him. It was, to me, you know, Demko made a lot of spectacular saves, but that was the biggest save of the series, I think. In my opinion, that was the biggest save. Uh, I think, you know, the Canucks are up one nothing at that point if that goes in. And that's huge for them, right? And I think that took place in the second period. Again, something else that took place in the second period is Ryan Reeves going headhunting at Tyler Mott. 
again, five minute power play. You've got to capitalize on that, right? You've just, you just have to, we've seen the numbers of what this team does, what the record looks like when the power play scores. And when the power play doesn't find the back of the net, we see the result and you know, it proved true tonight. There was too many chances that they didn't bury. You've, you've got to capitalize sooner or later or the other team's going to. And that's exactly what happened tonight. I think that was the moment for me. I think the moment where I knew um, that this game just wasn't going to go their way was actually, it was a minute and five seconds in to the third period. Um, The five minute power play was just about to expire. uh, And Tyler Mott came walking out of the locker room uh, and onto the bench. I was thinking, wow, Tyler Mott's back. What an incredible thing. Cause he took a absolutely disgusting hit from Ryan Reeves. I was a head direct head content, a legal check to the head definition right there on that hit that Ryan Reeves delivered. Um, and when the Canucks power play kind of expired there with five minutes and, and I saw Tyler Mott come back, I just felt like, wow, Tyler Mott coming back, if, if the Canucks were to score on that power play and then Tyler Mott walks down from the locker room, sits on the bench and the boys see that, like the Canucks see that Tyler Mott just returned from taking that checks directly to his head. Um, if they would have scored on that power play, I think they go on to win this game and, and potentially, you know, end up getting to the Stanley cup final. Cause I think that they do get by the Dallas Stars, like you said earlier, that was the one moment uh, for me, I mean, yeah, the the big save from Leonard definitely uh, shut the door hard on the Vancouver Canucks. That was their best chance of the game, and it was tough. But for me, it was just when that five minute power play expired. That was just the one moment where I said, okay, like you know, it's it's unfortunate this isn't going to be their night. Uh, I had a feeling Vegas was going to score at some point in the third period. It's too bad it was a local BC kid, uh, Shea Theodore from Aldergrove, and the only good thing in Aldergrove is the Arby's, if you ask me, um, from what I've seen so far. Uh, so. So that's a that's a tough way to go, um, and yeah, just it just felt like it wasn't their night, man, through and through. I mean, six shots through was it through forty minutes? Did they have six shots through forty minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you come out and play like that, it's just it doesn't even it doesn't take an analytics professional to see that this <laughs> team was not out there uh, playing the way, regular way that they could. I mean, it, the Vegas Knights have dominated them in puck possession and shots and shot attempts, um, but this was something else. I mean. It, <laughs> It, it, it was tough to watch at times, right? Like, it just felt like the Canucks never really got going in Game 7 when they needed to most. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you you were just looking and hoping they could just do something, right? Like, just get something going. And, I mean, there were a few moments, you know, they just they didn't really control in the offensive zone. And it, when they were trying to break out of their own end, it just it wasn't working. And the Vegas forecheck, I've never seen a forecheck that was that good, like, that proficient, right? I've never seen a forecheck in my life in any any level of hockey. I've never seen a forecheck where everybody is so hard on the puck, they're so quick, and you literally have no time to move the puck. And one thing I found really interesting about the Vegas forecheck, so, you know, they have two forwards in, but the second forward is almost playing below the goal line, right? So one forward's pressuring up the wall, so the guy can't break it out, the Canucks defenseman, but then the other guy's kind of going covering the middle, but he's far enough that if the Canucks defenseman goes around the net, behind the net, that forward is there. So that option's Mm -hmm. gone. That's why you saw a lot lot of problems with this Canucks team trying to break the puck out of their own end. The Vegas forecheck was just phenomenal. And even in the neutral zone, they couldn't get by them. And it was... it was unbelievable. It was you know unbelievable it, to watch. Just you, you, you almost feel bad for the Canucks, right? Because it was just such an elite forecheck, and they just didn't have an answer for it. You know what it reminded me of completely was watching, you know, this, this might even be before your time, but I remember there was a cornerback named Champ Bailey, uh, played for the Denver Broncos and, and a couple other teams as well. But what they did with Champ Bailey was he 
did press coverage every single game. You know, and that's what it felt like. It felt like a football team putting their corners into press coverage. Like the Vegas Golden Knights would have two forwards directly on each defenseman. They would have one forward directly on the lowest forward for the Vancouver Canucks to break the zone. And then their two defense as well. They would just push up to the guys and, you know, bring an extra stick and chip in on the wingers that were ahead of everyone. They were literally just playing like the most straight up, most aggressive forecheck you could do. Like they were going man to man. All you had to do was beat one Vegas Golden Knight guy. Uh, to get past them, and it just didn't happen because the times that they did beat a Vegas Knight uh, Knight forecheck, it was just the guy who the defenseman like Quinn Hughes beat him a couple times, and then when he went to the next pass, you know the next Vegas Golden Knight player was right there. It, it was it was a struggle to watch, man. It was uh, the neutral zone was absolutely owned by the Vegas Golden Knights. You're you're completely right with that. Yeah, it was at times a very tough series to watch, especially in Game Seven. There, it was uh, you know. There were some moments where you were just like, wow, just please do something. And they couldn't. And it, it, that, that made it tough to watch. But one guy who wasn't tough to watch was Thatcher Demko. And what can you say about him? Another fantastic performance tonight. Just out of this world. It was Thatcher Demko in this series. Oh, I mean, yeah. This. Okay, uh, I'm just going to say it. Like, Thatcher Demko, with this performance that it did, he just came in in the three most important games of the Canucks season. And potentially just gave the three best goaltending performances we saw. Aside from maybe that, you know, that uh, shutout that we were in attendance for that uh, Jacob Markstrom had against, was it the Islanders? I thought it was Carolina. Carolina, that's right. It was Carolina. It was another uh, a team that used to be irrelevant for 10 years. Um, but it was the Carolina Hurricanes, yeah. And that aside from that game, um, I think this was the three best goaltender performances we saw all year. And it makes me wonder um, if Jacob Markstrom is run by a power agent of Newport Sports, you know, and he's going to try and get the biggest money deals. This is what his agent is famous for, is getting those big money deals. Is, is it going to be possible for the Canucks to walk away from Jacob Marks? Because I get, it's it's got to be true right now that there has to be a goaltender controversy right now because of what Thatcher yeah. Demko just did. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you and I talk about Thatcher Demko on this show months back, right? We always just said, you know, he looks great, he shows a lot of potential, but he just hasn't had enough of an opportunity. Then he's given an opportunity in late March, fumbles it a bit, but toward the end of it was starting to look good. And, you know, when you talk to him about it, he said the same thing. Ian Clark started to help him a lot during the back half of those games. And really he was starting to figure it out. And, you know, he comes in, hasn't played in what, six months. And he was fantastic. So, I mean, you know, it it's tough. It's a really tough decision because, I almost feel like Ian Clark is the one that the Canucks should be looking really hard at keeping. And for those wondering, he does he is under contract um, up until the end of next season. So he was extended along with Travis Green when that extension was signed. Uh, so that was good. Clark's an important piece of the organization. I think they'd be okay keeping Markstrom. Uh, or sorry, I think they'd be okay walking away from Markstrom and keeping Demko. But what I will say is... You know, the expansion draft is coming, right? Thatcher Demko's 24, right? He's going to be 25 in December, I believe. This is a guy who is probably going to ask for a trade if the Markstrom deal is signed, right? Like, he wants to start. He doesn't want to sit and be a backup for more seasons. Like, this idea that goaltenders need to start playing as a starter when they're in their late 20s, it's bogus. It's, it's it's not true. It's just you know what, Quads. Just just to cut you off. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's gonna have to ask for a trade. Like what he just did in these playoffs just got every single team with a bad yep. goaltender situation 
it just got all of their attention to see that this guy, uh, the Canucks are about to make a decision on if they're going to move forward with this young stud who has been, you know, groomed to become a starter in the NHL, or if they're going to go with their MVP of the season. You know, like yep. this, this is an incredibly huge decision for the Vancouver Canucks. But in the end, it's also, you know, it's it's win-win in a certain, it's like a win-win loss situation. Because yeah, Demko just played yep. his heart out. He just rose his stock through the roof. Uh, in the yep. trade market for anybody that's looking for a future goaltender, right? I mean, teams are going to look for him right now. Like, teams are probably calling Jim Benning in the next couple days, asking if they're going to get Markstrom signed, what's Demko's situation, is he available? I think that that puts the Canucks in a position of power, which is somewhere that you want to trade from for sure. Um, when it, What it looked like a lot for this year was that the Canucks were going to be you know, in a weaker position of dealing Thatcher Demko because a lot of teams knew that the that the expansion draft was coming and it seemed like a lock for so long that Jacob Markstrom was going to be re-signed and he was going to be the Canucks goaltender of the future. Yeah, and I mean, it, on that note, it's an interesting little thing that I'm writing right now about Ian Clark and how he played a role in the amateur scouting department in Columbus and he was really high on Corpusalo and Merzlikens, and he gave Kekalein and Yarmo Kekalein and the GM in Columbus, he gave him the confidence to walk away from Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, he was with the Canucks at the time, but before he left, 2018, Ian Clark was a huge part of the Columbus Blue Jackets deciding to move on from Sergei Bobrovsky. I've been talking to a few different people in Columbus about this. I've got some good quotes. I'm putting it together for a story. It'll be on Canucks Army pretty excited for that story but yeah I I think it's interesting because the Canucks are going to be in a similar situation they're going to talk to Ian Clark about this decision this is not going to be a decision that is not that he's not consulted on like they're going to talk to him about this they're going to say you know we have this guy in Thatcher Demko here do you think he can be a starter they're going to ask him straight up and it's a tough question to answer we're going to talk to Kevin Woodley I'm sure in the coming weeks about this because that's someone that I really want to get his opinion on this. I really want to hear what he has to say about the whole goaltending situation. But I think, you know, for the next month until free agency on October 31st, I think that's going to be the story here. Is Markstrom going to test the open waters? Is he going to sign for more? And interesting thing about this performance from Demko, you know, his value to the Canucks has certainly decreased, right? Like the Canucks aren't going to be throwing him a blank check, right? Every other team might be, but for the Canucks, they have a little bit of insurance knowing that they have Thatcher Demko under contract for one more year. You know, right. even you if meant Demko Markstrom, were... right? You, you said Demko, but you meant Markstrom for the blank check, right? Yes, that's exactly okay, what I yeah, meant. Sorry. Thank you. Couple shots of Crown. Um, yeah, too too much Crown already. But that, that's what I'm <laughs> saying, right? Like Demko's under contract for another year. He plays one year as a starter. He's not going to be signing a huge contract after one year as a starter, right? So, right. you know, you look at the cap situation going forward. It's tough because Demko, if you trade him, he's going to get you something in return. Markstrom, if you let him walk, you're not getting anything in return. And even if you trade his rights to sign to a team like Carolina, you're getting at best a sixth round pick. Yeah, no. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, now you can trade Markstrom. You're right. You're not getting much more than a sixth. You know, you might get a fifth. That's the best you can probably get for the rights to him. But you're not getting anything uh, special for you trading. I just, you know, if you do walk away from Markstrom, you can sign to Foley, you can fi- sign Chris Tanev, you can sign Troy Stetcher. You know? Like, that's possible. That's yep. possible to make this team... If you want to ride with Thatcher Demko um, as your starter, and you believe that he can give you a performance even just similar to what Jacob Marsham just gave you this season, 
your team doesn't get a lot worse like a lot of people are projecting, right? Like a lot of people are saying you're going to have to walk away with one you're going to have to walk away from one of Tanev or Stetcher and that's going to hurt the defense core. Who's going to be that third guy on the right side? You know, it's a very it's a true question. Like uh, I don't know, maybe Brogan Rafferty isn't ready for the NHL absolutely yet, right? Like he didn't really get an opportunity much this camp, but I, I'm interested to see what he does next season still, but you know, this this team coming back with the same right side defense core is better than them possibly looking to the free agent market and trying to fill in a guy like Troy Stetcher who had an incredible playoffs right I think that walking away from him would be a huge mistake uh but the only other thing I wanted to add from what you were saying was uh, I'm about 95% sure that we're gonna have Kevin Woodley on the show next week I haven't talked to him yet uh but uh I'm like 95% sure I'm gonna be hopping in his dms like tomorrow morning and he will be on the show next week uh, to come talk with us. I'm sure he's going to be a busy man, but hopefully he can fit in some uh, Canucks conversation in the next little week here. But I want to ask you, Quads, like, let's put the GM shoes on you. Like, what do you do here? Like, are you are you riding with Demko, or are you still going to give an offer to Jacob Marshall? But is there, like, a money line that you wouldn't cross for him? It's so interesting because, you know, like I just mentioned, right? Like, you're getting something in return for Demko, right? Like, we saw what Corey Schneider went for. You know, I don't think Demko's value is quite as high as Schneider's, but maybe you get a late first, early second, right? Like, that's big for a team that isn't going to select till the third round in this draft, right? It's big. And it's curious because there was a report earlier this week from Thomas Drance of The Athletic that the Canucks are eyeing a goaltender with that third round pick, right? And, you know, we'll have to have either Craig Button or J.D. Burke on the show to talk about who that goaltender could be. I haven't heard any names yet, but they're eyeing a goaltender. They have their eye on a goaltender. So that that makes me wonder, if you're going to be selecting a goaltender who you're confident in, in the third round, right, do you then just sign Markstrom and then make this new guy the goalie of the future? And by the way, you've got Mikey DiPietro and Arthur Silovs in the system right now. So... I mean, you know what's interesting, Quads, and you, yeah. you brought you've brought it up the last couple of weeks on the show about Ian Clark. I wonder what what Ian Clark says about Silos and Di Pietro, right? Because maybe this is a very similar situation to what they had in Columbus. Like seriously, it is a very similar situation uh, to yep. walk away from an, you know instead of giving this starting goaltender who's a little bit older big money, you know maybe you ride with the one guy and then the two you know skilled very young prospects. Like this is a very similar situation to what they had in Columbus. Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned that because I don't know, I've never heard Clark say anything about DiPietro, I've never heard anything about him being high on him, I've never heard anything either way, like I've never heard him say he doesn't like DiPietro, nothing like that, but I do know that Clark was a huge part of the Sea Loves pick, and he was a big part of the selections in Columbus in the 2018 draft, that was his last draft with the team, uh, he was a big part there, and they selected a goaltender in the sixth round. So, with that being said, they took a Finnish goaltender, Viley Van Hylen. I don't know his name off the top of my head. It's a lot of V's. There's a lot of V's in that name, folks. But <laughs> you're right. Ian Clark is going to play a similar role here, and that's why I'm working on this story. Like, I'm, I'm trying to talk to different people. I'm trying to get a feel for, you know, how much of a role did he play in Columbus? And what I'm hearing from the people in Columbus that I'm talking to is he played a massive role, one that extended far beyond his work on the ice. And when you look at his work on the ice, the results are there. The results are there with Markstrom. The results are there with Demko. The results are there with Sergei Bobrovsky. The results are there with Corpusalo, right? Not so much Merzlikens, but Corpusalo, again, that's a Clark guy, right? And that's why I say this is such a valuable piece to the organization. He's a coach, right? 
but they have him extended till the end of next year. So let's get there when we get there. But you're right. He's going to play a massive role here. And it's just such an interesting situation. But to answer your question, Chris, if I'm the GM, I see the value in trading Demko and getting something in return, signing Markstrom. But on the other hand, on the other hand, I see that Markstrom isn't getting any younger. I see that Demko is only 24 doing what he just did over the past three days. To me, that's enough to convince me that I should ride with this guy in the long term. And like I said, the cap situation is friendly with Demko. He's making a very, very friendly contract under $2 million going into next year. And then after next season, even if he has an outstanding season, solely because of the small sample size, he won't be signing a big contract. Like this will not be his big payday. He's only going to be 20. 26 25 26 at the end of that contract so again this isn't going to be his big payday where you look at markstrom who's 30 this is his big payday like this no matter who signs the contract this is probably going to be the biggest contract that jacob markstrom signs for the rest of his playing career i'm not sure if i want to be the gm signing that check i agree and i think that you look at that contract negotiation that they have with Thatcher Demko coming up, he's an RFA as well. You know, he's not a UFA like Jacob Marston. You can automatically test free agency. Uh, and yeah, Thatcher Demko's making just over a million dollars next season. I mean, if you can put that guy uh, into your starting spot after what you just saw in these playoffs, I think that's huge. And yeah, you're right. Like, you know, it's tough because like the cap that you, I mean, the, you're kind of going up against like the battle of how bad Jacob Marston's contract can hurt you in the future versus, you know, how much good can a, like you mentioned, late first round or early second round pick be to your organization, right? Because that's probably what you can get for Thatcher Demko. But you will kind of just have to like weigh out both ends of it because it's strange because you're looking at a positive and a negative, but you're kind of weighing out the two options because like you mentioned, if you go with Demko, what you said was you're not going to get anything in return for Jacob Marster, right? He, he's just walking, right? That's the problem. But it's going to be yep. interesting to see you know, it's always interesting to see what happens with goalies when they hit free agency, especially over the past couple of years. Robin Leonard's a perfect example uh, of what happens when you think that, you know, you're coming off of a Vesna caliber season, almost like Robin Leonard, and he comes out and has to sign a one-year deal and gets traded halfway through the season. Like, yeah. very strange situation with goalies, and that's why maybe locking down Jacob Markstrom in a four-year deal at $6 million is, is a scary situation. You know, but it's also a scary situation going to Thatcher Demko. Right, I mean, this guy hasn't been in a starter's role aside from what he just did in these playoffs and the little bit of a run at the end of the year when Jacob Markstrom was out. You know, he's he's not proven as a starter, but man, after seeing what he does in these playoffs, uh, I, I'm definitely willing to give him a shot more than I did, um, you know, two weeks ago for sure. So here's what I want to point out, Chris. Let's look at risk level of both of these moves, right? Like, let's really dissect this. Let's get into this. Like, let's look at the risk level, right? Like, the risk of walking away from Markstrom and keeping Demko, right? The risk of not making the playoffs next season raises a little bit. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. 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 I would agree with that because, you know, even even if you're not trading Demko and, you know, not even having him as backup, the team gets worse, I think. But then, you know what? Like, but yeah, but to weigh it out even more, that's opening up six, six plus million dollars potentially in cap. Yep. So maybe, so maybe not. I, I, yeah, you'd have to weigh that out for a long time, I think. Yeah, so 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 now on the other side of that, right? You sign Markstrom, your risk of not having a competent goaltender in three years' time, let's say, 
elevates. That risk is higher, but your risk of not making the playoffs next year is lowered, right? So are we worried about the here and now? Like this, to me, like this is the Canucks window, right? But they to extend that window as long as possible, the move to me is to keep Demko and you're going to have to sign a goaltender. There is no way that they can go into the season with, you know, Louis Domingue's a UFA. I'm not suggesting they sign Louis Domingue and be a backup. I'm not sure if he his NHL backup days are behind him. I think they are. So they'll have to sign a goaltender. And you look at the goaltenders that are available, like, right? Like there's Braden Holpe. They're not going to sign him. Robin Leonard, they're probably not going to sign him. There's a guy like Thomas Grice. That's a name that I could see the Canucks targeting uh, to back up Demko, maybe split some starts play when Demko's not feeling it whatever the case may be gonna come in on a cheaper contract again you know you you have to think outside the box here and you have to think about the future like you can't just go and say you know and you know it's funny I'm gonna mention recency bias because we're talking about Demko solely because of these this great performance he's had in the playoffs (laughs) but you can't just say well Markstrom was great this season he was the MVP to some people you can't just go off that and say, throw him a blank check, throw him $6 million for the next four years. This is a guy we need to keep on the team. Because, by the way, he's going to be 34 when that deal ends. You know, right. If it's a four-year deal, he's going to be 34, right? And there's some goaltenders, like the, the really good ones, like Luongo and those guys that play late into their careers. For goaltenders, you know, sometimes they don't make it that long. That's really not that common. So, I mean, we'll have to see, but... When I weigh this out, and we're going to do a lot of it on the next uh, next few shows here, I'm sure. But when I weigh it out, like to me, if I'm the GM, I'm going with Demko down the road. Yeah, I think that um, you know it, it's crazy um, saying that a week ago. You know, like to to have that argument. Like I I wonder. I think that people with that take, it would be considered a hot take a week ago. But I think when yeah. you come out and see. That in the big three pressure games of the year, Thatcher Demko does what he just did. You have to sort of, you know, like it's like it's like a poker hand, right? Like you're, you know, I know you just recently learned how to play poker quads, but like uh, <laughs> it, it's like a situation where you know the rip the the turn has happened, the river is coming. You might be you might be okay, you might not be. You're feeling semi confident in your hand, but like it's time to go all in, right? Like it's it's that point in the game in the poker game where the chips are getting low on your side and you need to go all in. It almost feels like that situation with the Vancouver Canucks. I think it's time with this core right now to try and go all in with your pocket eights, you know, like go for it right now in the situation because you have a really good young core. And I've been saying this for a long time when this conversation was kind of going back and forth about the goaltenders, but you know, Thatcher Demko's age really matches this core. It matches this core a lot better than Jacob Markstrom's, even though Jacob Markstrom has been absolutely incredible for this Vancouver Canucks team. I said it all season long, he was the MVP. But, yeah, I think that there are other potential MVPs on this team, and I think that one of them could possibly be Thatcher Demko. If he's going to play like he just did in the playoffs, and he does that in the regular season, even on a semi-regular basis... I mean, he just did this against the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the best teams in the league. Think about, you know, a Wednesday night, uh, you know, against the Ottawa Senators, what Thatcher Demko <laughs> might be able to do, right? I mean, like, you have to sort of consider these things. I think Thatcher Demko's got a great head on his shoulders. I think that the fact that he improved every single year in the NCAA, that he improved every year at the AHL, he, he's built to be a starter. And I think that what we just saw here in the playoffs is something that you, you know, he's banging on the door and you kind of need to give him an opportunity for that. And, 
letting Markstrom walk potentially opens up a lot more space uh, for this Canucks team to round out their team in a better way. And I know we're going to get to a ton of offseason stuff uh, over the next little bit, but I think this is the big topic at hand right now anyways. Um, but uh, I think we'll dive into some other things on the other side. We'll definitely continue the goaltender situation. And uh, like I mentioned, we're going to try and get Kevin Woodley next week. You got something to add? Yeah, so you just said, what's Thatcher Demko going to do on a Wednesday night against the Ottawa Senators? And I had to look it up. I'm, you could probably hear my clicking in the background. But the Canucks lost 5-2 on February 27th, <laughs> which I am looking up now if it was a Wednesday night because that would be absolutely hilarious if you just said that as, like, nonchalantly and they actually lost 5-2. Oh, it was a Thursday! Damn it, it was a Thursday. <laughs> but he lost 5-2 on a... <laughs> on a Thursday night to the Ottawa Senators. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, Ian Clark helped him through that. We've talked about this. And the last thing I want to add is if Ian Clark isn't under contract going into next season, my opinion on keeping Demko is a little bit different. That's all I'll say. But I know he's under contract. I know he's staying with the organization for at least next season. So going into next season, I'd be confident having Demko as a starter. Like, you know, that's the next step for him in his natural career progression. If he's not doing it in Vancouver, he's going to be doing it somewhere else. I'd like to see him doing it for Vancouver personally. You know what? This is We're giving our absolute immediate reaction to this situation. Uh, I'm going to be curious if we have the same take next week on the show. You know, like we're, we're saying this right now after three incredible performances by Thatcher Demko. I think with a week to think on it, that's going to be really interesting to see what our brains have kind of come up with you know after thinking about it for a week thinking about what markstrom brings it's going to be really interesting to talk about the situation for the next little bit i think this is going to be the topic on every single canucks podcast uh for the Mm. next probably three weeks or so um so yeah i think we'll we'll leave that uh we'll leave the conversation here i think we're going to talk a little bit more about the playoff run that the vancouver canucks actually just had we'll get into that on the other side i am going to make another drink Uh, And we're going to get you a quick Zephyr ad here. We'll see you guys on the other side. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And did I mention that they're the presenting sponsor of this very podcast? Join them for Thursday night breaks at 5 p.m. Pacific every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com or watch the live stream on Twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. You can follow them on all social media platforms, including Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ZephyrEpic. That's Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Just for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can also save $5 off your purchase with the promo code CANUCKSCONVO. Some restrictions apply, but you get free shipping on all orders over $50. Again, follow them on all social media platforms at Z-E-P-H-Y-R, EPIC, on all platforms. Alright, and we are back. Very excited to have Zephyr Epic on board as a presenting sponsor. Um, we may potentially have another big announcement uh, for a sponsor coming on next week. Uh, not going to spoil too much because it hasn't been inked yet, but uh, mm-hmm. we have some promising news uh, from a from a major company. I think uh, if we can get them involved, that would be really cool. Potentially some stuff coming in the next week here. Um, but aside from that, quads, I just kind of want to look back. I think we, we've touched on the hot topic, which is going to be goaltending. Everybody's going to be talking about it right now. Um, but since we're doing this right after the episode ended, looking back now at this playoff run, like what are your what are your just like absolute initial thoughts just as this ended? Uh, basically like an hour ago um looking back at this playoff run what did you think of it and what do you think it really means to this group 
Well, everybody, get ready for some crazy optimism and some crazy positivity because the Canucks learned a lot about their young core in these playoffs. And I think you look no further than Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, right? Like, those guys came to play every single night. And that's how it was in the regular season. And there were questions, you know, two smaller guys, two young guys, their first playoff series, or these guys going to be able to take it to the next level in the playoffs. You see some players who aren't able to. You look at Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. That's the big example that everybody points to. Just goes quiet in the playoffs. You know, he played pretty well in the playoffs this year. But anyways, anyways, the Canucks learned that their core, they're going to win with these guys. These guys are only in their early 20s. Like, these guys are only like a year older than me. That's how young these guys are. (laughs) And they have a long, bright future ahead of them. Again, they learned that their 24-year-old goaltender, who used to be the goaltender of the future, is ready to help them win playoff games now. That's what they learned. And, like, you just can't help but be optimistic about the future, right? Like, the future of this team, the future of... The future of this organization, really, just it, it, from the top down, like it, there's just a ton of op- ton of reasons to be optimistic. You know, you kind of hope, like you know, I, you know. I'll, sorry, I'm I have so many thoughts. I'm trying to get them all. You're happy that Jim Benning said that he doesn't have to spend a free agency this year, right? Like that that's something that should make Canucks fans happy. Uh, you know, his track record's not great. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to look at there. I've said, you know, like 20 times in the past two minutes. But when I look at this team, I see that now the heavy lifting is done. And that's something to be happy about. You now know that this core can not only compete, but they can excel. They can be, and when I say they, I mean Elias Pettersson, can be objectively the best player out of anyone in the playoffs. You know that now. So now... The new goal has to be surrounding them with a supporting cast that's not even great, just okay. You just need okay players around them. You need a bottom six that can kind of score. In the words of a very great man, you need an army at this point. And constructing that army isn't going to be easy, but it's also not going to be impossible. You have the pieces in place. And two of those pieces are still going to be making under a million dollars against your cap going into next year. So there's a ton of reasons to be optimistic. You know, there's obviously those anchor bottom six contracts that are going to take a bit to get rid of. But there's a lot of reasons for optimism with this team. The heavy lifting is done. There's going to be some key moments coming up in the near future. But in terms of finding that core, finding those core pieces that you can really build around you know, that's done. And you even look at JT Miller, right? What a season for him. Has a good playoffs. He's definitely playing with an injury. We'll find out in the coming days what it was. I suspect it was a broken hand or something of that matter. But that's a guy who all of a sudden is a part of the core, right? He's still only 27. This is a guy that's going to help the team going forward. He's on a good contract. There's a ton of reasons to be optimistic, Chris. So when I look at the playoff playoff run as a as a whole i just look and see like this is only the beginning yeah geez get this guy a weekend show on 650 uh sorry man <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding but I, I mean like yeah you're right like looking at what this core did it's incredible i i, I wonder if uh nolan Baumgartner is the same way as me i always joke and say that it's nice to not be uh, podcasting with a teenager anymore. I wonder if Nolan Baumgartner feels the same <laughs> way, saying that uh, he's glad that his defense core isn't led by a teenager anymore because, yeah, Quinn, he's now 20 years old. Uh, I, I think that looking at 
looking at what they were able to accomplish is just an incredible feat for this team. I mean, they, they were the underdog in almost every series they played. Uh, you know, a lot of NHL.com writers probably had Minnesota winning the goddamn first play-in series. Uh, and just the fact that the Canucks were able to get to this point, you mentioned it. Like, the fact that Elias Pettersson can potentially already be the best player in, in the playoffs. Like, Nate McKinnon was the best player uh, in the playoffs, right? Like, he, he was by far, I think, the best player in the playoffs. Uh, but seeing that Elias Pettersson, what he did at his age, is incredible. And I think that he's only going to get better in these playoff situations. I think he learned a lot about what the playoffs are like. I think Quinn Hughes learned a lot. And you mentioned it. This core is built to be strong for the next few years. Like, the core is settled. Some of these contracts are good. JT Miller's an example. Bo Horvat's an example. These guys are going to help the team a lot at a limited cost. Not to mention the guys that we're going to talk about a little bit later with Niels Huglander and Vasily Pod Colson coming in. You got guys like Jack Rathbone who could potentially help the defense core. Olia Levy obviously showed some promise this year as well. I think he came out, and if he can stay healthy, that's the thing we've been saying so long. But now if he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that you can consider to start in your lineup next year. I think from from the little positive things that we saw from him, I don't want to get too hyped about him because he barely played. Uh, but still, like you saw some promising things out of your levy for sure so like there are some players that are going to be added to this lineup um i just think that looking at some of these guys in the bottom six still uh what you mentioned was they have to surround this core different right like they don't have to bring in guys that are good in the room anymore you know you don't need jay beagles making the money that they are on this team you need guys like tyler mott who play like tyler mott and get paid like tyler mott you know like those are the type of guys that you need on your fourth line you need a zach McEwen and tyler mott to be your fourth line wingers making you know under a million dollars so you can help and pay Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes upwards of $20 million combined. Because that's what they're going to be getting probably pretty soon here. And you need to have these type of guys that can help in the lineup that aren't making $3 million in your bottom six. When the bottom six did absolutely nothing in this Vegas Golden Knights series. right? Like They did nothing. They didn't put up many points at all. Uh, aside from what they did in game six with Jake Vertanen scoring that goal, I don't think they did anything. You know, like I don't think they put up a point. Uh, in this series aside from that one goal from Jake Vertanen. So that that needs to improve. The bottom six needs to be better, and the bottom six doesn't need to be guys that are good in the room. They need to be guys that are good on the ice and can help support the the players now instead of maybe teaching them about what the NHL is. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I don't want to just rag on the bottom six. Like, the top six didn't score a goal tonight, and, you know, you need that. But, you know, when we talk about improving the top six, guess what? Elias Pettersson's going to naturally progress, and he's going to become better. Brock Besser, I, I don't think we've seen the best of Brock Besser. I really don't. And I think, you know, once Elias Pettersson gets better, anybody he plays with gets better, right? And it's scary to think that Pettersson's only going to get better from here. Same with Hughes. But they're going to. That's the fact of the matter. And I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk. The Canucks don't have a ton of cap space this offseason. It's no secret, right? It's going to be hard for them to improve. And they were a bubble team going into this year. You know, even if COVID didn't stop the season, there's still some question marks about whether they would have even made the playoffs in the first place. So when you look, you see that they can't really improve the team that much. They can try and retain the same pieces, but it's going to be hard for them to improve the team, right? And I mean, I think that's where a lot of people look and say like, you know, it's it's very possible that they don't make the playoffs next year. At that point, that's a failure on the management side, right? One injury to Elias Pettersson, one injury to Quinn Hughes, and the season really is in jeopardy, let's be honest here, with the current makeup of the team. Yep. If everything goes right, on the other hand, and they stay healthy, like the natural progression of these two guys, in particular, should be enough to get them into the playoffs. And not only that, it should be enough to get them back to maybe even the third round, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting to see because there's so many moving parts, but... 
if if there's an injury next year and the Canucks don't make the playoffs, like I think that's the end of Jim Benning as the Canucks general manager. I'll be honest with you. Wow, that's bold. Yeah, I, I just I I think that's how it is, right? Like they've set the bar. They've set the bar now. Like the bar in this city is back to making the playoffs. It's not back to what it was, and the bar was so low. Like I cannot stress enough how low the bar's been in the last five years, my man. Like it's been bad, yeah. but now the bar is playoffs. Like. This is a team that needs to make the playoffs. They need an army. They need to make the playoffs from here on out. Until Elias Pettersson's jersey's in the rafters, I'm saying this is a team that needs to make the playoffs. They need to be competing every year. They've got it. They, they just have to at this point. They are a playoff team. They proved it this year. They surprised a lot of people, including me. But man, this is a team that now needs to make the playoffs next year. Like, they need to be a playoff team. Like, it is not a success of a season next year if they don't make the playoffs. It's a failure. Man, I like it, Quads. Talking about Jim Benning potentially getting fired. Now we need to get you a weekend show on uh, 1040, I guess. You've moved up in the ranks a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, there, there's one other thing that I wanted to ask you as you are kind of mentioning that. Um, from, from looking at what this team just did, I mean, they just played bubble hockey, right? Like, this is a very different playoff situation that they were in. This core got to be with each other every single day, not only on the ice and practicing, but when you're at home and you're playing at Rogers Arena, you're practicing at Rogers Arena, you go home, you might go watch, you know, maybe PD and, and Besser are going to watch a movie at, at Chris Tannehill's house or something. But they're in the bubble. They were with each other every single day, you know, for this whole playoff runs. And I'm wondering what you think um, that kind of means to a young core to go through this because it's a different thing for... Um, you know, let's say, let's say the Dallas stars go through whose core is a little bit older. I mean, they have some great young players, uh, but I look at them. I look at maybe the Tampa Bay lightning with a little bit of an older core that's going through this. But then I look at the Vancouver Canucks with a very young core. I think this bubble hockey is just going to make them that much tighter. And I think that just what you mentioned really helps the core in the long run anyways. Yeah, I think they're set up good, but before that, I need to, I need to add something to that Jim Benning thing because before some loud mouth comes at me on Twitter, I want you guys to know that if the Canucks didn't make the playoffs next year, this year, right? This year. And there was no COVID, whatever. God, I wish. If there was no (laughs) COVID and the season finished and the Canucks didn't make the playoffs, Jim Benning was gone. There was absolutely no way that they were coming back with him again next year. The goal was to make the playoffs. I'd say even Travis's job would have been in jeopardy. You know, the GM usually fires the coach before he gets fired. Again, like... I'll be honest, like that to me that that's what would have happened if the Canucks didn't make the playoffs this year. No COVID, Jim Benning would have been fired. Again, they made the playoffs. Credit to them. He built this team. This is Jim Benning's team. Like, don't make any mistake about it. Like, this is Jim Benning's team. This is what he put together. This is what they did. Okay, so this is a success. And now that that bar needs to get raised for Jim Benning. That bar needs to get raised for the Canucks as a team. Right, like. They are a playoff team. I, I, I just don't want to see the bar go back down, right? Like, I don't... I, like, the fans in this city deserve better, right? Like, yeah. they deserve a playoff team after all those years, right? They deserve a team that, let's be honest, could had a path to the cup final, right? Like, that's what they had this year. And on the topic of their core, right? Like, this core is only going to grow together. And this was so huge for them, right? Like this was such a great opportunity. And I mean, I've seen a couple pundits on Twitter talking about, you know, the Winnipeg Jets in 2018 look great. And then where are they now? Right? Like they were back in the draft lottery. Right. And I mean, it's tough. It, it really is tough, but I, I just don't see that happening with the Canucks. I think the core is just built differently. Like I'm not too worried about the Canucks regressing 
greatly if everybody stays healthy next year. It's tough because you have to build a team with depth. And again, like if the Canucks lose their first line center, they just don't have the depth to get them over that hump. At least that's what I think. So fingers crossed that everybody stays healthy next year. But <laughs> if that's the case, there, there's no reason that they shouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And just to add to what you said, um, you said, yeah, the, the coach normally goes for the GM. Uh, that's normally if it's their first or second. This is Jim Benning's third coach, right? You know, so Jim Benning is, is gone if they miss the playoffs before Travis Green, because I think Travis Green has done a pretty good job. He's won me over, uh, with his work in these playoffs here. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have Travis Green as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks going into next season. Yep. And if they didn't play this bubble hockey, if say the season was just canceled, I wouldn't be as, as excited, I guess, that Travis Green is behind the bench, but he really proved, uh, to me in these playoffs that he can coach this team to win games that maybe they shouldn't have won. You know, with, with a Absolutely. team that might just stick with the same guys. He proved that to me, these playoffs. Um, and that's huge because if you have a young coach like Travis Green growing with a young core, you know, it's potentially going to be a nice run for a little bit to this team. Uh, exactly. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, like, I, I can't say enough good things about him right now, right? Like, right. he proved he can adapt, right? He can adapt and he can, you know, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty a lot of times for this Canucks team, Chris. But they found a way to win a lot of times. And that's something you hear from Travis Green a lot is, you know, we found a way to win. And he helps them find that way to win, right? And, you know, they, they got to be proud of themselves after this run. And I and when I say them, like, I mean Jim Benning should be proud of the team he put together. Travis Green should be proud of how he coached in these playoffs. The Canucks as a whole should be proud of how they played against one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Like, make no mistake about it. Like, they were down 3-1, Chris, and they found a way to win. You know, Thatcher Demko was fantastic, but the Canucks as a team found a way to win twice against this team on the brink of elimination. Again, tonight, they almost did it, right? They got to the third period scoreless. It was anybody's game. You wish the power play scored those goals, but they have to be proud of themselves, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what you just said. They were, they were 20 minutes away um, from being able to fight in a series to go to the Stanley Cup final. That's saying that sentence to me just sounds insane. You know, like it, it sounds like I, I just if you told me this, <laughs> like well we're well we're start in the middle of, the of COVID, not even start of the year. Think about like May or June uh, when they were contemplating if the season was even going to start. You know, if the season was going to yeah. restart and the playoffs were even going to happen, right? Like you tell me that this just happened, I would take this a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, and I think that the experience that they gained here is just going to help them down the road. So I'm excited to see, uh, what this core can develop, um, and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very positive couple of weeks or a few weeks here for this Vancouver Canucks team. Uh, they played 17 games in 35 days. That's, that's a hell of a lot of hockey for a team. They were able to stay pretty relatively healthy as well, which was good for a team that, you know, has battled injuries and has missed the playoffs because of that in the past. And they also found something in Thatcher Demko that I don't think anybody would have found without what just happened in these playoffs. So that's going to make a big discussion for the next few weeks. I'm excited to uh, to possibly chat with Kevin Woodley next week on the show about that as well. I'm <laughs> sure he's going to have a lot of stuff to say. Um, as we kind of uh, start to bear down a little bit here, it is still episode 100, man. So I kind of want to celebrate some things uh, about doing 100 episodes of the show. It's been an awesome ride. Uh, for myself, it's going to be a lot of fun punching in all the episode numbers now and having three digits behind them. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, the fact that this podcast was started 
with the idea of just bringing on people to come talk and hear from voices on Canucks Twitter. Um, it's pretty incredible for me. I mean, before two months before or a few months before I started this show, uh, I got cut from a different podcast. Like they just completely let me go. They wanted to continue the show without me. So, you know, I was pretty hurt at that time. And two years later, um, we're hitting episode 100 of the show that I wanted to start um, with random people from Canucks Twitter to hear their voices. Now we've brought you on as a co-host. I think the show's gotten a lot better since then. Uh, and we're starting radio school in, in four or five days. Um, so just to see where the show has come to episode 100, it's been pretty incredible. I'm wondering what uh, what are some of your favorite moments since joining uh, full-time on episode 61, Quads? Well, first of all, I completely agree that the show's gotten a lot better since I came and saved your ass. No, I'm just kidding. It of was, course, dude. That is it's... that is the crown talking for sure, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it's been it's been a wild ride. Uh, never liked the sound of my own voice. We're gonna hear on the uh, when we do the top ten moments of the show. That episode, when we do that, it's going to be funny because we're going to have a moment in there. We're going to pull up my first time on the show, and that'll be a lot of fun to hear because I'm sure I was very nervous, and I was kind of like, yeah, Chris, I think what we really need to see is, you know, Jacob Markstrom really needs to come up big. Because when did we record that? That was, like, way back when, right? Like, I think I was still... You were, I think you might have just graduated. You were 18 years old, I think. Holy cow. Wow. You know what? And that's the thing. Like, I wasn't... No, I couldn't uh, I couldn't have been 18. I couldn't have been 18 because I didn't start doing Canuck stuff till I was in university. I was nine. Okay. I would have been, like, 19. Just turned... Just turned... Probably just turned 19. I was... Maybe I was 18, actually. Um, but, yeah. It was... Yeah. What a, what a ride it's been. Uh, all the way from that first episode and... So we met on Twitter. Like a lot of people don't know this. Like we're like pretty good buds now. Like we we talk away from the show. It's not like our our, our lives are only as uh, co-hosts. Like we're friends. But we met on Twitter. Like and then the first time I met you was at the draft, and I was like, "Holy cow, this guy's huge!" <laughs> um, like you're, yeah. Like I've I've never been next to anybody as tall as you. I don't think. Um, which is, which is nice. Cause you know, people always make the joke on Canucks Twitter. Whenever, whenever we get into arguments, people are like quads showing up to the Canucks Twitter, uh, Royal rumble or Canucks Twitter fight or whatever. And it's like this photo <laughs> of like big hero six with the little kid next to him. I just, I love that. That's so funny, but it's dude, it's been a great partnership. Uh, it's been really fun doing the show with you and th- really like, you know, it sounds cliche, but even at Canucks Army, like, we've kind of taken over there. Like, you know, you're, like, kind of my go-to guy if I need something done. I've got such a great team there, and you're a huge part of that. But, you know, we've – this is only the beginning, right? Like, for both of those places, like, Canucks Army and Canucks Convo, like, I just feel like this is only the beginning. You and I are going to school now. We're only going to get better at this, right? And, I mean, that thought alone just gets me excited for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to go through – uh, the past here and see when the first episode that I had you on was I'm struggling to find it here but yeah I mean that's the other thing that excites me so much is the fact that we're starting school we start on Tuesday we've already gotten in trouble uh, from one of our teachers because I said I was going to be t- tweeting out gifts of the pod Colson uh, game that's coming up and he said don't you have class exactly when that game starts so we will we'll see how I can uh, finagle myself <laughs> through that um, but yeah aside from that it's going to be a lot of fun man it's, it's you know 100 episodes of the show means a lot uh, to me and to see the following the listeners that we get every week I hope everyone enjoys this show uh, because I like I think I speak for both of us this is like the highlight 
uh, of, of for sure the days that, uh, you know, this is the highlight of the day for me when we get to record um, the Patreon episodes that we record, are, you know, the highlight of the week, potentially those are a lot of fun shooting, shooting the SHIT with you. Um, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, as we've tried to not swear on the show anymore, even though I've had a little bit of crown, I could probably drop a few F-bombs pretty easily. Uh, I, Man, you know yeah, what? I, me too. You know what else? I was really contemplating. Like I haven't swore on Twitter in two plus years. Um, like ever since I, it was actually, I think it was episode 10 of the show. Uh, I had Blake price on the show. I had Blake price and Dan Murphy for episode 10. And Blake told me in that episode, um, the difference between somebody who wants to be professional about this and the people that aren't professional is they, they're able to limit their swear words on social media and on podcasts. He saw He thought that's when the, when you cross the line for being non-professional. I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with it now. Uh, but ever since then I haven't swore once on Twitter and I'm looking at that right now. Um, that is February 8th, uh, 2019. So since February 8th, 2019, I have not swore. So coming up on two years, I guess here pretty soon, Wow, um, which I, has been tough. I swear <laughs> quite a bit, I think like just in regular conversations, like you hang out with me a lot. Well, you swear in conversations too, don't you? I swear. Yeah. I swear a lot in conversations actually. <laughs> But you yeah, know, well, you, you I, gotta, I just like, don't turn, turn it off. off for Twitter. Yeah, you got to turn it off for, uh, you know, for when you actually. Okay, so I have your first episode here, and by the way, I've told you this before, but it says right here, quads. I gave you this nickname first. This was April twenty sixth, uh, yeah. episode twenty two. You came on the show. Can you can can we play this on the show? Is there a way that we could just like pause this recording and just overlay, like put this in the show and like play this first clip? Hey, you you want to edit this week? <laughs> yeah, I'll edit. I'll edit. Let's uh, actually no. You know what? I'll edit, but let's not do that. Let's hold off because it's as I mentioned, be the, and I, yeah. I I will mention again, we're doing a countdown episode, which is gonna be fun. Like we saw the ten forty countdown. Chris and I both loved that. We're doing a countdown episode, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna try and narrow it down to ten, maybe twelve. We'll see. I've I've got like eleven written down already. <laughs> Yeah. Of our best moments on the show. And this is, you know, extends far beyond before I was on the show, right? Like, you know, one of the moments on there is Jason Botchford coming on the show. The moment that really, you know, kind of made this show, right? And helped you get a lot of listeners on this show. Many of whom are still listening today. So, there's a lot to get into. One of them is going to be my first appearance on the show. That'll be you know one of the top You know what's crazy, moments. Quads? Your first appearance on the show uh, was the week that Jason Botchford passed away. Was it really? Yeah, so you and I wow. talked um, April 26th, and I believe that uh, Botch passed away, I think, at the end of April, um, but it wasn't announced until the start of May. You know what? Uh, I think he passed away on April 26th, actually, and it wasn't announced till May. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, it's crazy that's, how the world wow. works. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm just looking wild. at this like during dates and all the episodes. So you were on episode 23, uh, and all, and the episode 24 was the Botchford episode. So, wow, that's... Uh, that's a lot to take in, actually. Um, the final thing I wanted to touch on was something that's going to be happening a lot uh, on this show as we move forward into the offseason, and that is going to be talking about two prospects specifically. I kind of just mentioned it there a second ago. Uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago on the show that we're going to start doing a prospects wrap-up every week. Uh, I just want to quickly mention uh, Vasily Podkolzin. He happened to have his first KHL regular season game on Friday. I got the numbers right here in front of me. He had a very strong Corsi performance. He was on the ice for 21 shots for and only five shots against. The one thing I just wanted to mention because we're going to be talking about him a lot uh, and this episode's already been running pretty long. 
the thing that we're going to be talking about a lot over the next little bit with Vasily Podkolzin is how good he is in the neutral zone and how good his line is through the neutral zone. I think that's why we're seeing such these high Corsi numbers uh, for him because they just his line absolutely dominates uh, in that zone. Morozov is his one uh, is the center on the line, and then uh, Marchenko is the other guy. Uh, that's a Vegas prospect and a Columbus Blue Jackets prospect, both second round picks, I believe. Uh, Marchenko might be a first round pick. I can't remember exactly, but um, those three players together are just absolutely dominant in the neutral zone. Like the puck just doesn't get past their own blue line. And when it does, Pod Colson just hunts them down so hard. So um, you don't see a lot of shots from the other team simply because they just, they dominate that, sim- you know, similar to what we just saw the Vegas Golden Knights do to the Vancouver Canucks. That's kind of what you're seeing Vasily Pod Colson's line do at the KHL level and it's just so much fun to watch because we're on the other side of it now uh watching Pod Colson <laughs> instead of watching the Vegas Golden Knights just dominate the Vancouver Canucks in that way so uh that's the update we're gonna have a lot of talk about those guys moving on I know we're gonna feature a lot of guests especially here in the offseason um we're gonna you know bring on some of our friends bring on some people we haven't talked to potentially bring on uh some prospects as well because that, that those, those videos or sorry those conversations are always a lot of fun um, but that's kind of all I got on the prospect report. Um, I think that's all we kind of have for the episode, unless there's anything you want to close out with. Big episode 100, Quads, what do you got to say to finish this thing? My top guest that we need to get for this offseason, Louis Domingue, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Volkun, because we said we're getting a lot of right-handed goalies. We're going to try and get every oh, right-handed God. goalie. Thomas Volkun. So you can tell them to their face that they're weird. Or you I will, them, I will tell you them. Said. Absolutely, yeah, I'll yeah. tell them. I'm excited. So we'll get Michael Hutchinson as well because he's not up to much anymore. Uh, I could, uh, I, could right- I could speak French to Jose Theodore. We could chat a little bit at, uh, to him. Was he French or did he just play for the Canadians? Because Jose Theodore doesn't uh, really sound like a French name. It was name. Theodore. It was pronounced Theodore, wasn't it? Yeah, because he played on Montreal. They always change the name like Patrick Roy, Patrick Waugh and Patrick Roy. <laughs> Who called him Patrick Roy? Was he ever know. Patrick Roy? Okay, no, nobody called him Patrick Roy. Maybe okay, they should have. Maybe some people in Denver did. I don't know. Another guest I really want to get on the show is Nikita Triampkin. And the Batcast really wanted to get him on. It'd be hilarious if we got Nikita Triampkin on the show because that would be just, oh my gosh. The, if you surprised me one week with Nikita Triampkin, I wouldn't even know how to act because, like, you know, I've said so much stuff about this guy and been like, you know, I don't think he's an NHL D-man. I don't think he's going to help the Canucks, and I've st- I stand by it. Like, you know, and a lot of more people are on board now that the Canucks can't get him signed. A lot of people <laughs> were on board with that. People who were at my throats telling me I'm, like, out to lunch, all this other stuff. Horrible stuff, but anyways, uh, they're all on board with that take now, which is, I found very, very entertaining. But what if we ever had Nikita Triumph get on the show? Like, my goodness, what an episode that would be. Holy cow. Another guy. You know, I, I mentioned Louis Domingue, but another guy I'd really like to have on the show is uh, Andre Padan. He'd be a good one to have. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do to work my magic to to get Triampkin. It's gonna almost be impossible. Um, or Goldobin. Goldobin. I think get Goldobin. I think Goldobin's actually pretty possible. Um, I'm yeah, gonna start. Let's I'm gonna work start on working it. on that. Um, and then aside from that, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny because uh, Nikita Triampkin plays at 5 a.m. I think 5.30 potentially tomorrow morning. And I'm already feeling pretty snoozy from these drinks. So, And it's it's before 11. I might actually get a decent amount of sleep uh, and be up for that Nikita Triampkin game potentially. So you guys might see some gifts Saturday morning to go with the podcast. Um, potentially. We'll see what happens. Um, but aside from that, I just want to say thank you to you, Quads. I think the show's gotten a lot better in the last 40 episodes since you've been here. Um, you know, it's pretty cool to celebrate episode 100. Um 
uh, you know, it, I don't really, I, like, I don't even know what to say. It's pretty cool to get to this far. This is a big milestone number. Um, we're going to continue to do this show as much as possible. Um, we haven't really talked about it, but I think this is obvious. We're going to go back down to one show a week. Um, they're going to be coming out every Saturday. We're going to have a Patreon episode still coming out every, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We're going to bring some Patreon content for you guys every single week because we appreciate um, the help that you guys are giving us with the Patreon supporters. I know that some of the Patreon money right now is going to actually be going to BCIT uh, to help pay for some of our books. That's what we've decided to use some of the Patreon <laughs> money for right now since we have um, kind of everything we need uh, for our actual podcasting setup. Um, and it's going to be nice to get back in, in person. I know we, we kind of social distance this week because I was back on the island. You were on vacation. We both kind of traveled differently. So it's going to be nice to get back in a person, get back into the studio uh, to continue on with these episodes. But it's been a lot of fun doing these two shows a week. Uh, it also helped us get to episode 100 a little bit quicker as well. So that was kind of cool. Um, it would have been a lot of fun to be celebrating a win. But, man, it's it's just still a lot of fun doing this podcast no matter what. So um, anything else you want to do before we close out here, Quads? I'm going to give you one last chance before I end this thing. No, just thanks to you. Thanks to all the listeners. Been a been a wild ride this season, and I'm very excited to see what we do next season. And there's no way we're going out to one show a week now. We've got to keep going with two as long as we can. Really? I think so. I think we're killing it. we got to keep going. I love getting okay. behind the mic talking with you. We have to. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll chat about this more off air. I thought it was <laughs> going to be like for sure down to one show a week. Um, <laughs> we already have some big guests lined up uh, for the show for the off season. Um, for some stuff coming up here to talk a lot of prospects. We're going to have a lot of great guests, uh, especially during no actual Canucks hockey going on. I'm very excited to get to that. Uh, and, yeah, to get to school, man, we start uh, BCIT on Tuesday together, which is going to be a lot of fun. So um, for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you for tuning in to potentially all 100 episodes because I know some of you have been here since episode one, uh, and that wraps it up for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation.